We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, LightYears listeners? We're excited to invite you to the official LightYears slash Warriors World Draft Party, July 29th at Standard Deviant Brewery in San Francisco. Our first official show post-pandemic, food, drinks, real-time draft analysis, Q&As, special guests, free merch giveaways. And remember, your first drink is on us with a ticket purchase. We are excited and can't wait to see you there. Info to purchase tickets can be found on our social feeds and official LightYears link tree. And welcome to Light Years. Uh, Andy Lou's off tonight. I got Aaron Larsoul sitting in for draft workouts and suit season talk. We got our first official kind of big name Warriors workouts at the facility. We are knee deep in draft season. The draft is two weeks away. And uh, Aaron, I want to start with this because you've worked for NBA teams for uh, a decent amount of time, longer than... Most people. Yes, um, I'm, an old, I'm an old man. Longer than I... <laughs> You've been involved in the pre-draft process. So, broadly, tell us exactly how much these workouts matter. Because today, the Warriors had Davion Mitchell, Moses Moody, Jalen Johnson, Kai Jones. These are all players projected to be in the 7-14 to 14 range. These are players, theoretically, they are seriously considered. Yeah, I mean, it's different. Uh, each, each team, each place... Um, each front office kind of has their, what they like to do and um, some proprietary stuff in each workout. And it's not just, there's, there's kind of a a skills component, a one-on-one component or a one-on-none component, just kind of going through some drills. Um, But there is also uh, sometimes two on two, sometimes three on three with video guys, depending on how many guys you have at the draft or, or assistant coaches. Uh, And they matter. Sometimes it's just for teams to be doing their due diligence. Certainly the Warriors yesterday, as, as we record this yesterday, had some guys in for, for workouts that aren't necessarily in that mid to late lottery range. So some of it is just information collecting and doing your due diligence. Right. Um, and you can only gather so much um, from, you know, the skill stuff and the one-on-none workouts. It's, it's pretty easy to, to look great um, against nobody. Um, and then there's also the interview process, which I know Warriors fans are always uh, interested in. Uh, but it's kind of it kind of varies uh, from team to team, 
how much stock they put in it and, and, and what they do. It kind of, it kind of varies from, from team to team. So I was listening to Kirk Lacob on, um, I want to say Grant Liffman's show. And there was one thing he said that was interesting to me. He said, you want the workout and in-person one to confirm what you know already, what you've done all year. So I kind of, I thought that was interesting because we're two weeks away from the draft. In theory, the Warriors should know basically everything they want to know about these prospects right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but there's always little things, little, little things that you can pick up. And I, I think that is a fair assessment that generally you hope what you have seen in, in the a work perfect you, world. Yeah. yeah you, you do want it to confirm. Um, but you can see things that you don't like, or you can see things that, that, um, that you don't, that you didn't notice before. And obviously in-person stuff is the, the, the best. The question then becomes, if it is not, the reason why you want it to confirm is because then you feel like you have the best information. And if you see something that you didn't expect, then you kind of have to go back and say, why did that happen here? Was it just, you know, he shot well or didn't shoot well today? It's a small sample size kind of thing. And then you kind of have to make an assessment with the new information. How much stock do we put in that specifically? Uh, but I think it's it's interesting. Obviously, the Warriors took Wiseman last year uh, with the number two pick. But I but I think well, I do want to. I think it's going to be really interesting because they didn't have that kind of information last year. Not just the Warriors, anybody to confirm um, this year, right? As much as that you can this year, because you know there was the full college season and the tournament, and you've been able to do more in person workouts, etc. So. Um, I think that is more the case this year than it was last I was year. Gonna, I was going to say last year was uniquely difficult from an Intel evaluation perspective because obviously COVID, everything was shut down. You know, you heard about players working out in specific areas, but it's just it's just not the same. Is it your perception that it's easier to kind of get Intel and come up with your evaluations this year, even though... We, it was still a weird COVID season. Like, yeah, everyone played games, but no fans, condensed schedules, practice access to college teams was non-existent, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely this year is better than last year, but as far as being able, you know, the access to information and how much tape and in-person stuff you can have seen, although it is it is not what it has been in years past. However, if you are an NBA scout, if you're an NBA and work in a front office, a GM, et cetera, if these, if last year or the last, you know, kind of abbreviated or strange COVID college season was the first time you were really getting access to these guys, you're way behind. So, you know, all of the guys that are being drafted now, for the most part, there's a few exceptions, uh, front offices, GM, scouts, et cetera, have been on these guys for a handful of years. So, it's certainly better than last year, but it 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 you, it isn't right. the full picture. Think, in which case, like these these in person workouts and meetings and things, you know, have the potential to to be more valuable than in years past because there is less information to be able to confirm. Yeah, I think about someone like like Moses Moody. He played on the same uh, I want to say the same high school team as Cade Cunningham, or maybe it was the same AU team. Uh, had been on the the same AU circuit as all those guys. So. NBA scouts should have seen him for a few years now. Um, Jalen Johnson, uh, everyone's familiar with kind of getting kicked out of the IMG Academy, but he was also a very big deal in high school, big time prospect. Like teams should have been monitoring him for more than just their one and done year, I guess is what I'm getting at. 
Correct. Yeah, I mean, that's, yes. You know, so let's, there are, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I was actually about to transition this, uh, but you, you finished your thoughts. No, I Sorry. just, that, I think this is an area and, and you know, people, you know, Warriors fans have kind of lamented the, the brain drain sure. that has happened over the last, you know, handful of years with the Warriors front office. But this is a season last year also, but this year specifically because there is less information um, than a normal year, even though it's better than last year, as I mentioned, where, you know, those kind of questions about which GMs, which scouts are actually going out and pounding the pavement and watching games and, you know, when available, going to Europe and seeing stuff in person um, and different GMs have kind of different styles with that. But right. I, I think this is going to be a time where that legwork that has been put in over the years. Uh, Travis Schlenk was, was obviously great at that for the Warriors um, right. back in the day. I, I think that this may be a time because of that where, where certain front offices are able to separate themselves. Absolutely. So let's get to the players who came in today because they're all in play. I kind of like the way that Slater wrote it, so I wanted to bring this up. He, he's writing about Davion Mitchell. He goes, He's in the mix for the seventh pick. So is Moody, who, like Miss Mitchell, has influential fans in the Warriors building. So I want to start with those two prospects, Davion Mitchell and Moses Moody. I so, have a hard time oh, believing. I was going to say, I have a very hard time believing the Warriors are going to use the number seven pick on Davion Mitchell. Not because I don't like him as a player, but a six-foot guard when your best player is Steph Curry – I don't know, man. It it feels like a smoke screen. It feels like something that people would buy because Steve Kerr would really like him as a player. I don't really buy that the Warriors are going to take him at number seven. So, yeah, this is like in addition to being suit season, as, as you've named the pod, this is also smoke screen season. And whenever uh, different writers have different sources, um, whether it's agents, whether it's different people in the front office, so the first question to ask when, when stuff like this comes out is who benefits from it and kind of take a step back and think, you know, who, where did this information come from? I, I think the, and the other thing is there are going to be like the way that that is worded makes it seem like the warriors are split and kind of dysfunctional because they can't come to some con consensus, but that's and the by the way. way and by the way, that's been kind of a thing for the warriors for the, basically since Kevin Durant left. Um, it's not even a bad thing, but it's like, we know they have multiple voices in the room. We know the coaching staff, Steve Kerr is influential. We know the Lakers are influential. Bob Myers obviously has his own opinions. Um, and you know, it's easy to be on the same page when you have the greatest assemblance of talent you're ever going to find, but now they're trying to put it back together and they're kind of somewhere in the middle with one transcendent player. Um, couple all-star cat one, you know, Clay's missed two years. It's just, it's just a different situation. It's correct. And, and every front office is going to have that. Then, you know, the, the ones that are more dysfunctional, the front offices that are more dysfunctional are the ones where you can't figure out who gets to actually make the decision. Um, but it's very natural for there to be disagreement. And then, you know, you have to have a final decision maker. Um, as far as, as Mitchell, I, th I think, I think, this Warriors draft needs context because there is a, a thought that um, the Warriors, and I agree with this, that the Warriors need somebody that can contribute immediately. You want to help, you know, Steph in his prime, late prime, whatever you think, Draymond in his prime, late prime, and Clay coming back, that there's a championship window, which I agree with. 
So you want immediate help. But, and, and, and I don't have a problem with people thinking that Davion Mitchell is the most ready to contribute to NBA Team X because of some of the things he can do because of his age, et cetera. However, I think that misses some of the context for being able to help this Warriors team now specifically. You mentioned Davion Mitchell, his size, you know, the 6'4 wingspan in addition to, to being, you know, shorter than me. I don't know how, there's a couple things. One, I don't know how he plays with Steph. I don't think he can play with Steph because he's too small. He can't play with Steph and guard other people. Depending on what you think of his three-point shot, if you think that's real. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's the there's the Lowry Van Vliet backcourt of two smaller guys. And I would say Davion Mitchell's built in a Lowry Van Vliet kind of like, yeah, he's he's kind of built he's six foot, but he's built kind of like a linebacker. So there is potential for it to work, but that's so opposite to everything the Warriors have been about. The the other problem and this is not, I, you know, I think, I think Don, uh, Davion Mitchell is going to have a good NBA career. I think he's going to be possibly a really good NBA player. The other, my other issue with his fit for this specific Warriors team, the next couple years is the Warriors, his calling card is defense and he plays harder. That often doesn't work. The guys that just play harder than other guys in, in college, that often doesn't work when you get to the NBA. Mitchell has some skills, but his calling card is he plays hard and he's a defensive guy. The Warriors are already a very good defense. So the incremental help that he could give as a, you know, come in and be a ready NBA defender, I don't see a whole lot of uh, marginal improvement there. The Warriors' biggest problem is Steph has to do everything on offense. They can't score without Steph, and Steph doesn't have any space to operate. And Davion Mitchell doesn't help that at all, which is the biggest problem for the Warriors. Hopefully, Clay can help that some depending on whenever he's ready, how he looks when he comes back. Do you back. think spacing's the biggest issue or shot creation? Because in an ideal world, you get both. But yes, everyone on earth is looking for a player who can pass, dribble, and shoot. I would argue I'd rather take a guy who's a streaky shooter but a higher-level shot creator than a guy who can really shoot the ball, but it's a grab bag when they put the ball on the floor. I feel like from a Warriors perspective, particularly if you're going to get Clay back next year, you still have Jordan Poole off the bench. Wiggins has shown he can be a reliable catch and shoot option, not so much off the dribble, but reliable catch and shoot. Um, you can find guys to do those things. I, I just feel like shot creation is the worst. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that, that Mitchell does pretty well. You know, the Warriors have one guy, Steph, that can get to the rim. And Davion is an okay finisher. He's not, he's not a uh, huge athlete. He's pretty quick, but he doesn't. He's not playing above the rim, but he can get to the rim. Uh, the free throw shooting scares me. He doesn't love getting to the line because he's not a good free throw shooter, which also scares me about the three point shot, which just jumped up in, in his junior year. The Warriors need to get Steph some help offensively to to lighten his load offensively. Clay is certainly going to help. Um, I think the shot creation is more necessary in the second unit, depending on if if. Steve Kerr is going to actually let Jordan Poole handle the ball as a as a backup point guard, um, which ha I have some questions about some of the other guys we can talk about later. Uh, because of that, I think uh, for somebody to play with Steph, I think it is the shooting that is going to be really important because like Steph can get buckets for everybody and himself specifically if he's got some room to work. Clay will help that, but we don't know exactly when Clay is coming back. So for me, I would prioritize. Uh, shooting if you want somebody to be able to play with Steph. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at it in the context of when Clay returns, um, because Damian Lee can do kind of a, a poor man's Clay impression in the early part of the season, or what I'm really assuming is going to happen, which is Clay is going to be at about 20 to 25 minutes a game for at least the first half of the season. So sure, I think that's reasonable. I think, uh, and and quite frankly, I'm okay with him at that for most of the season because I'm I, I'd rather he get to the playoffs healthy than any sort of like let, let's see him get up to 30 minutes and then miss three weeks because he's aggravated something type of deal. Um, anyway, I don't think Davion Mitchell addresses what I'm looking for, which is a shot creator who can play next to Steph. I yeah, correct. Um, I don't think and, we were talking earlier offline about you know, the argument for him at seven. I don't think there is an argument for, for Davion Mitchell at seven I, I, for the Warriors. If you want to say he's the seventh best prospect in a random NBA team, I'm okay with that. But I, I think his value, marginal value for this Warriors team, just, I don't, I don't think he's a good fit for this Warriors team at all. Yeah. I'd feel okay. I, I think I'd be okay with him at the 14th pick. Sure. Uh, but that that's a different discussion. Anyway. Um, Let's move on to Moses Moody. This is kind of the first time we've seen Moody's name linked with the Warriors. Um, just based off of what's been going on draft season, his name hadn't come up too much. Like people saw the fit, but you hadn't heard anything from the Warriors side about him. Sounds like his workout went really well. Um, sounds like the Warriors really liked him. And then Slater is kind of confirming it that there are people in the organization who are pretty high on him. So tell me what you think about Moses Moody. I think I think there's there's there are three guys that are the most ready. He's one of the three guys that is most ready outside of to know, play a role. Top a few guys. Yeah. I think he is that that can contribute next year on this Warriors team. Um I think he you know, he has some limitations, but I think he kind of projects as a solid three and D guy, and you can never have too many of those. Um and I think he's going to be able to come in and make jump shots. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's a guy that immediately, you know, is, is changing the Warriors fortunes, but, and I think, I think he is one of the guys that has the best chance next year. I don't know how good of a chance it is, but one of the guys that has the best chance to be able to sort of function occasionally, you know, in lineups that include the rest of the starters or uh, in closing lineups. Uh, he's a good off the ball defender. He he uses his size and and his athleticism to to block some shots to bother some shots. He's not like particularly. I think he gets. Yeah, I was gonna say one thing that gets one thing I notice when I watch him is like he he does really defend. He does like yeah. he 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 tries really. He's not a guy you have to worry about effort with on that end in any way. Like he's going to you know try to execute a scheme and defend every possession. Not true of a lot of college stars who take a lot of possessions off. Yeah, and you know he's got he's got a decent size. Um, he's an okay athlete, pretty good athlete. Um, I just I think for for him to be able to reach his offensive ceiling um, is he's got to tighten up his handle. Otherwise, you know he can't be used as like a primary guy. You know, like Jordan Poole can be used as a primary backup option um, to facilitate offense. Again, depending on, on how much leash she has uh, from the coaching staff, but Moody doesn't have that kind of handle yet. 
if he is able to develop a handle, I, I'm kind of dubious on whether he will be able to, then I think he can be more of a primary option. But I think he is one of the guys that is most likely that you could plug in next year with this Warriors team specifically, and he could play minutes that matter. Yeah, a, a popular comp for him is kind of like a best case scenario is Chris Middleton. I don't know how much of that popularity is about the fact that the Bucks are in the final and a lot of people are seeing just how good Chris Middleton yeah. is. Um, I, see, I see. He has like some 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 little. He kind Danny of moves Green, like him to be like honest. Danny Green yeah. vibes to me. Um, in a in a best case scenario, you know, Danny Green can play forever because he can. Yeah, he's a he's like the 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 he win, he's a winner they're not a, and three. They're not weeks. explosive athletes, but they can stay in front of anyone. It just it it just seems to be the case with those type of and, guys. Where you're just and like, the other thing about yeah. Ed, about DG is that he has had a reputation as a really good defender. As he's gotten older, he isn't as good on the ball, uh, but sure. he's still a really good off the ball defender. Yeah, so I mean, he's interesting. Do you like him at the seventh overall pick for the Warriors? I'm I'm saying let's assume. Okay, give me well, give me give the me your top, six. The, let's assume the tops. Let's assume the top six don't fall. Let's assume. Cade, Jalen Green, Evan Mope, they're going top three. And then let's assume Suggs, Kuminga, and Scotty Barnes are four through six. So let's assume no one falls. That's right. kind of what I've called like there's there's one A and one B. And it, it feels like, you know, things can change. Someone can always like surprise you and move into the four to six range. But I don't, it doesn't sound like any of those guys are falling. And so Warriors have kind of the first pick of, the next tier, which everyone's trying to figure out who they like most. And it's, it's kind of an awkward pick. Yeah. I mean, it's great to have two lottery picks, but for this year specifically, this for, you know, for, for a year or so has been a five player draft in the last month or so. Um, Kaminga has kind of fallen. Scotty Barnes is rising a little bit. So it's kind of seems like a five and a half player draft at this point. Um, So, Seven is kind of the awkward spot. Yes, you get your first pick of not those guys, but there seems to be most scouts have kind of a drop off from six to seven. Um, and that seven to 14, 15 is kind of jumbled up in, in the group. I don't think Moody, if if that is the top six, I don't think Moody, he would be in consideration for me. And frankly, uh, because of the reasons I mentioned earlier, um, Mitchell wouldn't be for me. Uh, but he with with two other guys with uh, with Wagner and Book Knight would be kind of the three guys that I was considering. I think Moody would be third on that list for me, but he would be in consideration. So I don't want to talk about Kai Jones because I would just be shocked if they took a big man after they drafted Wiseman. Like legitimately, it would shock. I would be surprised if they took Davion number seven. If they took Kai Jones, I would I'd be like one of those memes of like the guy falling. Like I. That that would be the only thing that shocked me, to be honest. Yeah, I don't, everyone I don't, else. I don't think everyone else isn't. Everyone else is in play, but like Kai Jones, who's going to be a five in the NBA, don't see it. Yeah, I don't. I don't um, think so you take Project Big back to back years. No, no. Um, so let's talk about Jalen Johnson, who, for my money, is the most interesting prospect in that kind of seven to fifteen range. Not always for good reasons, but he's kind of interesting. So. I think everyone knows the story. He uh, he he got kicked off the the IMG Academy team in high school, and he left Duke early. So he's the quote unquote red flag guy of the lottery, right? And right. there's always one of these every year. From the outside looking in, 
I've learned over time to not make judgments because you just don't know the circumstances, right? Like you don't know because on paper, it looks like a red flag. It could be a real red flag or it could be one of those uh, one of those things where just someone started a rumor and it sticks with him and he's actually not the guy that you think he is. I, I, we all saw him on TV at the Clutch Pro Day. Uh, looked very impressive. And tying it to Duke, like when I watched him at Duke, I, I mean, I think he has top five potential in terms of talent, but I just don't know what to make of the whole situation. I, if, if you were to say who's the most talented player outside of that top six, the Warriors may get a crack at, I might say Jalen Johnson, but I just don't know what to make of this. I actually think he's more talented than Scotty Barnes. Um, so I would I would agree I would agree with you by the way like just raw talent he 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 under he plays basketball he understands how to play basketball. So we talked earlier about how a lot of this for having workouts and the meetings and that this is largely about information gathering and I would agree with you if this was one incident if it had just been in high school you know things happen the fact that it popped up again at Duke, maybe it was injury questions, but um, the fact that it's, it, it has now happened twice for whatever the reasons it feels less random. Um, and, and I know NBA teams, they, uh, there are, there are, how about this? I'll say it this way. There are NBA teams that will not draft him that just don't have him it's, on their board at all because of it it's happening n- twice. It's not a secret. Like it's, I mean, you can listen to the, 10 other podcasts of very connected people who will tell you the exact same thing you're saying, which is certain teams just won't touch them, you know? So often, so, see, often I'm, the red flag, I'm curious. though, is the, here, the, the thing that scares me here is that the talent is obvious. Two things. One is often that red flag is injury-related, and that doesn't seem to be the case here. Right. The and character that's, stuff. That's scary. That's scary for a different reason, but yes. <laughs> and and the, the second part of it is, you know, you've had him on, on, on the show. Um, uh, Coach Pete, Laker Film Room, and I right. go back and forth about this kind of thing. Uh, and specifically, I, I have like a basketball man crush, and I have for a couple of years, a few years, on on Michael Porter Jr. I think Michael Porter Jr. and I've said this for a couple of years is going to be a star, will lead the NBA in scoring, etc. And Pete will push back against that, and he says, and, and rightfully so, the best players, if you're going to be a star or a superstar. You can't be a dummy, right? Like a basketball dummy, just a dummy in general, and have these issues. There just aren't the best players in the NBA don't have these issues. And so, look, I, I don't know. I don't know, Jalen, but it's like all of this stuff scares me because it speaks to his maturity. It speaks to his intelligence. Um, it, it is not it is not fatal, but it, it worries me in the ways that that Pete is worried about Michael Porter Jr., who I think is going to be a superstar at some point. So Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on the MPJ bandwagon. I just there I've never seen someone shoot it what or the last player I've seen it shoot it as easy as him is yeah, Clay. He's, he's, That's he's, basically what I, he's not quite as good as Clay shooting the ball because there's only one person in the history of planet Earth that is. Sure. Um but there are a lot of like six ten elite athlete clay thompson vibes to mpj yeah i mean he's a career 44 percent shooter in the nba um that alone should tell you a lot and anyway we we, we can, we're not talking about mpj so 
Would you touch Jalen Johnson if you're the Warriors, particularly since you have two lottery picks? So I think this is this kind of like gets to the crux of the question. Even if, even if you like just just putting aside for the second the theoretical like character concerns, sure. Um, I think it gets to the crux of the question for the Warriors, assuming that they end up using both picks. We'll put the you know trade possibilities aside for a second. Sure. Are the Warriors going to kind of try to find an immediate or more immediate, more NBA ready pick uh, or player with one of their picks and then just go for a theoretical home run upside pick uh, with with one of them? Do they just go upside with both? Do they want to get NBA ready or more NBA ready guys with both both picks? I would my my inclination for the Warriors would be take a home run swing because of I think there's a a lot of similar players in the mid to late lottery. I don't think there's much difference between the seven and 14, what you can get. So my inclination would be to swing for upside with seven and then go a little safer with 14. So in that case, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't draft him at seven. Um, But I would consider at 14, if you are uh, a front office, I suspect the Warriors are not, I don't know this, but I suspect the Warriors are not, that are not completely, if he's on their board at all, I would, I would not, I would not want to take him seven. Um, but if they want to take somebody a little bit more NBA ready at seven and then swing for the fences at 14, I think he's a fine pick at 14. If the Warriors have him on their board at all. Yeah. I mean, can we talk about his game real quick and then we'll open this to questions? Absolutely. He's a legitimate six, nine. He might be six, 10 incredible in the open court. The one thing that stands out to me about watching him in Duke is like, he's just always where the ball is. Like you, you, I I don't think you can teach that level of feel. Like he, I think the first game I watched him, he like had like 15 rebounds or something like that. And individual rebounds are overrated. But when you're watching the college game, they kind of show you who is processing the game at a faster speed in some ways. Yeah, I think that's, yes. And, you know, the jumper isn't great, but there is so much talent there and uh, good size and elite athleticism. Um, There is a lot to like there, Uh, especially like as as a guy, you mentioned his rebounding, a guy's handles pretty good, a guy that can grab and go and initiate. He's quick, he's fast. So there's definitely a lot to like there. Um, He needs to iron out the jumper, but if all of that, you know, if, if all that stuff, the other stuff is just immaturity and he can focus on his game and get his game right. I, I think there is a, a world in which he is one of the best couple players in this draft. Uh, then you talk about fit with the team and, and <laughs> the Warriors have changed their whole co- coaching staff. But, you know, where is he going? How is he going to develop? What kind of reins does he have? Uh, what is he allowed to do? But the talent is undeniable. Absolutely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, let's open this to questions. Let's see what people have to say. Maxwell, what's up, man? What's up, boys? Um, I, I have a draft question, and I have, if it's okay, I have a question about the finals. Um, Go first for off, it. what are your guys' thoughts on Keon Johnson? He seems to be more of a uh, a project. Uh, he, you know, he he kind of seems to be uh, just very raw, and I was I was just wondering what what your guys' thoughts on him are. And about the finals, is Drew Holiday the most un- aesthetically displeasing player to watch? Because that dude is just <laughs> disgusting every time I watch him play. <laughs> Maxwell, appreciate the question. I'm going to start on the uh, Keon Johnson one. So, I mean, now that I'm talking with you for about a half hour here, Aaron, I feel like we should separate the prospects in the 7 to 15 tier by upside projects versus immediate impact guys, like guys we think can play a role immediately. And Keon's definitely an upside project guy. Like I, I see why people like him. I mean, I didn't, he set a record for Vert. He is a, he's a freak athlete. Yes. Um, but he's a six, three guard who can't shoot the ball at all with a very loose handle. Yeah. That, so that's, that's the thing for me. Uh, uh, I'm just thinking about the second question. We're <laughs> going to have some, yeah. some second, interesting I have answers a, I have to the least, the... Athlete, uh, uh, the least yeah. aesthetically pleasing. But um, as far as, as Johnson, uh, Keon, I, I see, again, it, it, I see the talent. However, and he, he is a project, uh, didn't play until organized basketball until recently, you know, can't shoot, et cetera, et cetera. But I, you can see the talent. I just prefer my projects to be wings and, and bigs uh, like the, the six, a little, three, a six under four, size for you. Yeah. For, for a project, right. right. Uh, six, three and a half or whatever he is projects just doesn't scream success to me. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, I think he's going to definitely be a plus defensive guard, but if the offense doesn't come around, I don't know how many minutes he can get. And he just seems like a guy who's not going to really get on the floor too much year one for the Warriors. So, um, there are players who are projects who are more intriguing to me in the range than Keon. So um, I'll leave it at that. Now to Drew, is Drew the least aesthetically pleasing player? I would say the Bucks are the least aesthetically pleasing offensive team, like finals team I've seen in a long time. And to me, it's mostly because I don't think they have any players who have like a great handle at all. Like literally they're, they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal on defense. Like Drew is actually, he's making Chris Paul's life hell. He's also making Devin Booker's life hell at times. Um, but like, I mean, he's, he's not uh, a high level shot creator. Um, Giannis is a different type of player, just breathtaking in many different ways. But like offensively, it's a lot of like force of will over like, you know, uh, any sort of like bag or like 
you know, something like that. And then um, Middleton's kind of somewhere in between. But I would just say, like, the Bucks in general, I feel like a lot of people blame Bud for the roster just not really having a lot of high skill guys. Yeah, I think that's uh, – look, I don't, I don't think – this series has been – the finals has been better, but I don't think Bud has, has covered himself in glory the last handful of playoffs. No, he has um, not. I think more there there have been more adjustments in this series specifically, um, but you know you know to bring this back to the Warriors, um, I, I think there are definitely some roster issues with the Bucks. Um, they may win the NBA title, but I think there are some roster issues that coaches often get blamed for uh, when it can be more of a front office question. You know, like Brooke Lopez, right? I don't know how many styles of defense you can play. Yes, the Suns, Devin Booker and CP3 are going to annihilate Brooke Lopez in a drop coverage like sure. uh, like Kevin Durant did. But, like, okay, that's true. How many that's minutes true. are you really going to play Bobby Portis? And, right. What, what's I mean, the they're, playing like, they're playing like a six-man rotation, to be honest. So yeah, what's, what, what is the alternative? And that is more on roster construction, right? Like, much like yeah. some of the questions with the Warriors, right? Like, sure, there's a bunch of guys who probably shouldn't be playing, but who that you know i'm again hard on on steve kerr's anyone but like at some point they're not a lot of options right you you know it's it's not like the coach is is benching you know anthony davis and he's like leaving him on the bench for brook lopez drop coverage or something so you know at a certain point i i feel like a lot of the bucks issues are just like they've constructed a roster that's clearly about defense first and they're just going to live with the fact that it's just ugly, but they just want to outwork you on offense, really. Like they're they're banking on like Giannis's relentlessness relentlessness more than like anything that's aesthetically pleasing. I think that's fair. Yep. So who's who's your uh, least aesthetically pleasing guy to watch? Who's who's the least aesthetically pleasing player in the NBA for you? Individu- and I want to know if you can guess mine. Individually, hmm. Um it's probably Dennis Schroeder. Like I, I'm, I'm going to keep this to players who play about 30 minutes a game. Like okay. it's unfair. For, it's unfair for me to be like, man, smiley geech can't watch him. You know, like <laughs> something like that. Right. So uh, probably Dennis Schroeder just drives me insane. Um, I'd probably throw Pat Beverly in there too, for a completely different reasons. He's just like, it's just, his entire role is just BS. Basically. He's just trying to get under your skin the whole time. Uh, those are the two that popped to mind. Um, you. Hmm. Yeah. We, me, we, me, we have, we have texted. Uh, give me a, give me a hint here because it's not. We have, coming te- we, have te- we have texted about this person. Uh, mostly. Eh, let's say la mostly last September through January would be. Would be uh, that that. Oh, that's. Hmm. Um, he's, a, he's a guard. He's a guard that you are very familiar with. Oh, Brad Wanamaker. Duh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's uh, an I easy find, one. I don't. I, I don't even consider him an NBA player. So I've already shipped him to Europe. <laughs> I mean, I find his game just like the forays to the rim that have no point that he can't finish even if he gets there and he just throws stuff up at the rim. Um, aside from yeah, the see, end, I've, I've already he's already he's already in Turkey as far as I'm concerned. So aside aside from him, it's kind of like the 
the uh, just like skillless bigs that kind of just wander around and do, like all the Plumley brothers. I'm not into. Uh, I don't. The Zellerski. I just. I'm not into. Uh, and it's Cantor. Like I don't need any of that. I just like that has no appeal to me. Cantor skilled, but yeah, he irritates me. I mean, it's, less, it's it's less for me. It's less aesthetic. It's more like the. Uh, the corny personality in his case, like it's just not my cup of tea. The jokes, the jokes don't land with me. So, um, that, and that's by the way, me. shout out, right, you guys talk about this all the time. Shout out to, and there was somebody, I just saw this in the, in the chat. There are some really good players, um, that I just don't like watching Harden or CP three, even sometimes sure. Steph. Okay. Just the grifter, you know, foul baiting. Stuff. Whoa. Just, don't, don't ever put it. Don't ever put Steph in that class. I, um, I, you know, I, you know, I listen to your show all the time and you guys mentioned him a pot or two ago about how Steph should just shoot the ball instead of the, cause he's not good well, yes, trying to yes, drop out. He yes. should just shoot the ball. Steph has a little bit, not a lot. Steph has a little bit uh, on his in terms of, shooting. in terms of the grifters. I, I think CP threes, the one who bothers me the most um, on some level, I respect James Harden for just being better at it than everyone. Like, but, but CP three, it's, it's just, it's just nonstop with him. And I mean, he's, he's obviously a hall of famer, one of the best point guards of all time, but like, his his grifting is very annoying to me, and you know you can say it's a warrior thing, and it's like a decade plus of battles of watching CP3 with the Warriors, but like he's the one who annoys me the most among like the star superstar class. Oh, I'm I'm with you completely. I mean, because it's like Harden. At least when Harden does it, it's basically always trying to get a, a three up where he's trying to drop out. I'll also the, the, like, also put it this stuff. way. Harden's the only Harden gets those same calls in FIBA because he's just that good at it. So <laughs> and and you're and you're watching like Dame and Bradley Beal try to get these calls in FIBA and not getting them and realizing like oh they officiate different here. It just it 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 reinforced in my mind like hey, I, it's not my favorite skill in the world, but Harden is really good at. It. Oh yeah, Harden doesn't bother me nearly as much as CP3 because like the CP3 like the like leaning into guys veering right and putting on the brakes so somebody runs up his back at midcourt like that just and the the I don't who was it I can't remember a couple years ago actually was it Jordan Bell it may have been Jordan Bell where he was pointing out that Jordan Bell didn't have his shirt tucked in if it was Jordan Bell I don't remember I think it was Jordan Bell but like that kind of stuff just yeah it bothers me more with CP3 yeah Uh, I mean this isn't the podcast to get CP3 love anyway uh, keep moving OZ, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? I expected when I started actually, I act, okay, I actually started reading and watching just a little bit about these prospects, even though I'm I'm on like trade everyone, trade everything, sure. don't even just. I was expecting to come in here and say, "You guys are stupid. Just take Moses Moody," because on paper, six six, seven foot wingspan, shoots pretty well from threes, and he plays defense and he's switchable, and he has a little bit of shot creation. What are you doing? Don't overthink it. Take the wing. Go home, enjoy your 25 minutes a game, and just profit. Right. But when I watched, when I clicked on YouTube, a highlight film, right? One of those generic <laughs> highlight mixes. After five minutes, I didn't see any highlights. I saw him like making layups, solid plays, and a bunch of spot up threes. So I thought, like, okay, that's great. I don't hate any of this, but 
Where's the upside? There's there's no burst. He's not blowing by anyone. He's not jamming on anyone. He's not even making the like the Wagner style super duper anticipation. Because I watched Wagner like right after Moody, and Wagner in the same five minutes was racking up so many um, anticipation type defensive plays, and his wingspan let him just. He doesn't look athletic at all. He's like the, he's like the uh, sneak, like, sneaky like ups- pre- sneaky athletic. No, he's the pre. <laughs> You know how pre-injury Looney was thought of as a combo forward potential sure. prospect back in like twenty. Yeah, it was, wasn't he? He was like a point guard in high school in Milwaukee. Twenty four. Yeah. No, twenty four. They had him, uh, they had him playing point point of attack defense at UCLA like he was Kevin Garnett in twenty thirteen, right? Twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah, but that's what Ragnar. That's what Ragnar reminded me of. But Moses Moody doesn't show that many like super duper come out of nowhere and make a defensive play. He's more like I'm in the right spot. I'm doing my job. And that's it, which is kind of like, okay, great. At 14, you're happy. At 7, uh, okay. So the guy I do want to talk about is Jalen Johnson, which you touched on, and it's great because today he was in town. So he's clutch. Do you think that's an advantage or a disadvantage? Because I figure Draymond, in theory, would, but Moody doesn't have the you know off-court stuff. Shouldn't Dre know the story? Like do the game, but like Clutch knows. Clutch knows all the all the dirt, right? They they should. So by the way, Dre know all the dirt too, in theory. Yeah, of course. Everyone, well, I would expect the Warriors to know it all too. The question is how you interpret it. That's what it comes down to. Uh, Ozzy, we appreciate the call. And so I think, Aaron, do you think there's any front office who does not know the full story on Jalen Johnson? I think any front office who's in his draft range. So I think every front office, right, this is a, a, an information, I've mentioned this a bunch of times now, an information gathering business. And some of it is like, you know this, right? And you know, Sam sources, um, some front offices have better relationships with certain agents and, and certain college coaches, et cetera. So I think there is a range of how much different front offices know, but I think they all have a lot more information than we do. Um, and are in our better position to make a decision based on what they know. So I, I think they know the full picture, but some front offices are going to have a little bit better, more reliable information than others. Well, and I, and I will say that there, um, a lot of it comes down to how you interpret the information. Also, also true. And, you know? and what your risk tolerance is. Like different front offices, sure. different coaches have different risk tolerances for different things. Um, right. Whether whether it's a skill on the court or whether it's off court stuff or whether it's injury sure. stuff or, or whatever, so it also comes down to which is Certain why front offices is, really care if guys make their bed in the morning. Exactly, correct, or wear suits to to meetings. Um, which is why I mentioned earlier about I think it gets to the issue about what the Warriors are going to do. Are they willing to swing for upside with one pick, both picks? Do they want somebody more ready, safe? Um, and your 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 risk tolerance for off court stuff, I think all of that is is a, a factor. And Oz mentioned uh, Wagner. So when I said that there were three guys, I think that kind of were in my consideration. You're intrigued for, with, yeah, yeah. So so I go back. I think it's him and Book Knight. For me, if the draft falls, as two com- two I think two completely two different prospects. Yeah, very. But those are the two guys. I, I think Wagner is probably the most ready to plug in and possibly play, you know, in, in a 20 minute lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, him and book Knight would be, would be the two guys. So I, I kind of agree that there's, there is, I think Wagner pops a little bit more than, than Moody as of now. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think um, – and by the way, just to, to, to finish up the Jalen Johnson thing, you can tell that uh, his agent, you know, clutch in this situation, um, is aware of his flags because he's in – you know, he's in phenomenal shape. Um, really plugging the fact that he's been getting up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever it is, every day, doing pre-jaft workouts, really trying to sell. He left Duke to really start prepping for the draft prospect or process. Sorry, and you know it's it's a convincing sell, and that and that's what that's what agencies do. They they sign guys. They know that these guys are have a chance to have really long, successful careers. They're trying to get them groomed in the correct direction. So it really comes down to how teams interpret what his situation was. Do they really think that him leaving Duke was a red flag or do they buy that he had some injury issues and they understand that he wanted to do the quote unquote college football thing and skip the bowl game and uh, prep for the pros, you know, like that's, that's kind of what it comes down to. I think it's the most interesting thing because you can't really discuss it. It's just, it comes down to the people in that room, what their risk tolerance is and what they deem as important and not important. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, this is also where relationships are really important because this is, you know, <laughs> this is, this is PR season, right? Where it's, it, if you're representing sure. somebody, it's highlight their, their best qualities and minimize their worst qualities and try to, you know, put video out there or, or narratives out there that speak to those worst qualities or perceived worst qualities. So the relationships matter. How much of this can you believe? What is your relationship like with, in this case, you know, Rich Paul and and Clutch and how much of it do you believe and and all of that? So uh, the, the, the relationship part of this uh, is really important because it speaks to how reliable the information. The last thing I'll say, don't assume just because a player on your roster is rep by the same agent that they're going to vouch for them. So yeah, and by the way, they may like them. The they may they, no Draymond. The last thing Draymond wants is a, a teammate who's going to make his life harder. So he'll just do the polite thing and tell Bob, hey, he's, he's not for us." If that's the case, he'll do the he'll do the. He needs to go to. He needs a few years. He might not be the guy for us, you know. He's so. he's not the guy for us. You know who is the guy for us? Jacob Evans. <laughs> I don't know how much I buy Draymond really was behind that pick as much as uh, as it, as clear as it was when it became clear to everyone Jacob Evans wasn't going to work out. Everyone was was trying to you know pass the ball like playing hot potato. Yeah. It's like oh yeah, yeah, I mean we were trying to get Draymond involved here. I mean it was his pick. It's like funny the the team with the owner who is over involved in everything decided to randomly give draymond all the responsibility so, yeah and so did you know. see of course yeah. you did but dre is like gonna be you know he's gonna be in in tokyo well assuming the u.s team even goes at this point but sure he's gonna be in right. tokyo he said i'm gonna be you know talking back to 14 hours. in the front office and, and whatever having having some input and i, I like, like to imagine do i like fans want that dre I like to imagine that Draymond is like on this uh, this video board, like above their heads in the draft room from Tokyo, just like yelling at them that they're making the wrong choice. Do you think that's how I like to imagine the whole thing? Do you think Dre has his own big board? Yeah, I mean, like actually, at least actually written out somewhere. Well, no, maybe like in his in the notes on his iPhone. 
I think he's too big of a basketball junkie to have not like broken down who he likes and who he doesn't like for very, very specific reasons. Um, I would be shocked if he didn't have the most detailed opinions on these prospects of the main Warriors guys. Like I, I can, I feel pretty confident in saying Clay probably has the least uh, passionate opinions about any of them. He just wants and to Steph, know who's going to hang out with him on the boat. Yeah, and then Steph somewhere in the middle. I mean, so that's that's kind of how I'm interpreting it. But but Draymond definitely, Draymond's the guy in fantasy football who's coming with um, three separate spreadsheets that he won't show anyone and like talk to someone and. You know, he's the guy in the fantasy league who's done more prep work than everyone and is taking it way too seriously. That's my every, every Everything is color-coded. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, what's the green? What's the blue? And he's like, I can't tell you. <laughs> These are my uh, – this is my – he's got defenses ranked in tiers. Yeah, exactly. He's just – and and um, lastly, he's probably the guy who gets like – very mad if you're going on his like red list like no touch list he's he's just he, he's definitely the most vocal player in the room that's all i'm gonna say ah, let's 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 keep moving yo walters what's up my man what's up well um you I, I like when you ask like what would be the most shocking thing that happened i mean what what if the warriors went with like giddy or sangoon at seven you know an international who we feel like we don't know that we might even feel like it's a project that might fit really well in terms of the offense, right? Sangoon specifically, like a four, maybe that can pass the ball, shoots 80% from the free throw line, has a chance to, you know, be an outside shot guy that could be paired in the starting lineup with a Draymond, um, you know, obviously would hinder some um, Wiseman stuff, but maybe you could play with him on the second unit. Yeah, you know, I think like that would be a big shocker. For everyone, we'd just be a, a gape at the at the so I, asking for I would more be drinks. shocked if saying if the Warriors draft Sangoon, I would be shocked. But I, I think I, actually, I don't think there's I, any way he plays four in the NBA. By the way. Yeah, I was gonna say actually, Sangoon would shock me for the same reason Kai Jones is, which is he's a five. I would not be shocked if they took Josh Giddy. I would not um, be either. I don't know where he because play. he's a perimeter. He's he's a perimeter player. Like I, I think I guess Aaron, we're, we're on the same page here. Yeah, the only there, thing that would shock me backup point guard on the Warriors and like he's a backup he is just a point guard. Is there a role for a backup point guard on the Warriors right now and how much utility This is have? this is a team who needs more players who know what to do that with That is true. Yeah, period. you're right about so that. So I do I do think I do cuz like Jordan Poole is kind of you want him floating between making plays on the ball and moving off the ball. So right. would that not be both Sangoon and Giddy? That's like the thing. They're both very no, good no, no. Because Sang- Sangoon is Sangoon is like like I don't know. Aaron, tell me if you agree with me here. His best case is like a Donatus Sabonis, right? Which to me is like he is a five through and through. Like he may have offensive skill. He may be able to pass from the five position, but you do not want to play him next to another big man if you can get but away. You do with want that. to play him with Draymond. Right, because he can be he sure. can be the five on, on offense. But what do you do? What do you do with James Wiseman? You you bench James Wiseman. He comes off the bench and he gets more years to develop. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. What, you well, think, you that, think that Sangoon is a better prospect than Wiseman? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, um, okay. I, I think if you have time, Wiseman will pass him. But if you're talking about initially, 
I, I think you you come in with a little bit more with Sangoon. Plus, he has shown that he has a little more lateral quickness than you guys are giving him credit for, saying he's only a five. No, I, I don't. I don't think he's playing the. I don't think he's playing the four in the NBA. No, 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 hmm. no, no, no. Because the four is essentially just a big wing. Let's be real. The four is the four is Draymond Green. It's LeBron James. It's Kevin Durant. I mean, these days it's, it's Jake it's, Crowder. It's, it's Giannis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just another wing. Like if we're if we're being honest, the NBA is point guard, big man, three wings. That's your that's your positions right there. And, and Sangoon's a big, even if he's a skill big, I just can't see him playing next to another big. And that's kind of what Draymond, Draymond kind of floats between a wing and a big, which is why it works with him next to bigs. But I don't, I guess. Yeah. I'm and don't get willing, me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying they should take him at seven. Like, yeah. I, and I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to <laughs> say Sangoon isn't a phenomenal prospect and he won't be a really good pro. I just, the only thing that would shock me is if the Warriors took a guy who is slated to play the five position at the number seven. Yeah, exactly. That's why I asked it, right? I feel like we'd okay. all be shocked if he got taken. Yeah, no, look, if you're, if you're telling me that, that for whatever reason, trade or he injured in perpetuity sure. or whatever, that you don't think Wiseman is going to be a, on the roster or a contributor at all next sure. year and the year after, then fine. But until you're telling me that, that Wiseman, you're giving up on him completely or he's going to be gone – uh, I can't see the Warriors drafting another five. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me, and I do not agree that Sangoon is a better prospect than Wiseman. McWalter, I, I might be the last always. guy on Wiseman Island, but yeah, I'm with you there. That's you know what? We're gonna end the show there. I appreciate everyone who called in. Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. Thank you, Aaron. As always, Anytime, brother. Subscribe, subscribe, rate five stars. We'll see you soon. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com